With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I am your host, Terry Lambert, joined as always by Evan Winter. Evan, how you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Recovering from the weekend in more ways than one, but I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a busy one. Uh, it was a it was a big one. Had a chance to be a really big one, but uh, turns out it, that wasn't the case. So uh, Tennessee beats Kentucky and loses to Auburn. Um, you know, continuing the streak of just rotten uh, performances in the SEC tournament. Uh, I, I guess Tennessee will win one of these one of these days. Um, but still haven't won one since 1979, so that streak is still going. Um, Tennessee ends up with a number two seed, the fifth overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they get Colgate in the opening round. Pretty interesting game, um, if you haven't already dove into that. Uh, I, I certainly have. Uh, they've got some interesting pieces. They've got some dudes on that team, so we'll dive into all that. Uh, of course, remind you, we write for RockyTopTalk.com. For all the latest news and information, head on over to there. Um, so, all right, we'll rewind and start. I, we'll, we'll mention that Tennessee breezed past Mississippi State. Um, you know, they really separated in the second half uh, to face Kentucky on Saturday. That was the matchup everybody wanted to see. That's the matchup everybody thought we were going to get. And, man, it, it did not... Uh, disappoint. It, it was hotly contested from the opening tip. Tennessee falls behind in it, comes back, finds a way to win. Just an awesome, awesome scene in Nashville. Yeah, man, an instant classic. I mean, that was arguably one of the best um, SEC tournament games I've ever witnessed. And, you know, that's all bias aside. Um, just hard fought. Both teams made plays. Um, both teams made plays when it mattered up until the very end for Kentucky. Um and I mean, there's just there's few things in life that are more satisfactory than watching one of your most hated rivals go down, especially in your city. And there's been many a times where I've been in Knoxville or Nashville or wherever, and you know the Vols have lost, and I have to sulk back to my car. But I was wearing my orange pride on that one, and man, it was a scene downtown. Uh, we were hanging out at a couple bars, just kind of doing our thing, and it was all blue. And I swear. Every time that Kentucky made a shot, the whole the whole entire building shook uh, with just just complete fervor from the fans that were there. But we held strong, we banded together, and by the end of the night, we were singing. It's great to be a Tennessee ball. I can't tell you how happy it made me to see that uh, arena filled with orange on Sunday. You know, oh, it's just, so cathartic, man. Just not seeing a total blue for once in that arena. Right. That that was just awesome to see. So. Um, to the game, I, I mean, Tennessee got really hot from three-point range. Uh, kind of took control. You know, I, I thought they, they controlled the pace of, of the game. Uh, made, made a ton of jump shots. Uh, you know, really did something that they weren't able to do in, in Rupp Arena. Uh, you know, they just weren't able to make those, those open three-point shots. Well, they were falling on, on Saturday. Really allowed Tennessee to push the pace early. 
uh, had a lead going into halftime. And then in that second half, it's like somebody flipped a switch and the referees just absolutely changed the entire complexion of the game really both ways. And, you know, there were a couple of missed calls on Grant. There was definitely one on Admiral that they missed. But somewhere in the middle stages of that second half, the referees decided that they were going to call everything. And it really just just totally changed the complexion of the game, just slowed the pace down. Uh, and it was really disappointing because it was such a great game up until that point. Now, of course, you know Tennessee recovered and, and came back, and it was still a great game. But I, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen the referees take over a game quite like that. Yeah, some of the calls are definitely extremely questionable, and then some of them are blatantly missed. Um, and there's even one, I can't remember, I think it was on Admiral that they called. But, I mean, he barely even touched the guy. I think he just barely hand-checked him, and they, they called a foul on him. But regardless, yeah, uh, they, it was weird there for a moment. But one thing I looked up, I did, I did a little bit of research after the game, and a lot of the Kentucky fans are saying that the refs definitely, you know, swayed the game, which I, I agree. They maybe helped point the game in a certain direction, but I wouldn't necessarily say they swayed the game. In the final three minutes, you know, obviously Kentucky had the eight-point lead with three minutes to go. Tennessee only shot five free throws in those last five, in those last three minutes, and that doesn't include Jordan Bone's final two to win the game. So, I mean, even despite all the quote-unquote favorable calls that the balls were getting, uh, that's what that's coming from a Kentucky fan's perspective. Um, they still had an eight-point lead with three points left or three minutes left, and Tennessee, they don't, Tennessee shot a very limited amount of free throws over those last three minutes. Yeah, that's the thing. I thought it evened out, uh, but definitely, it, definitely. it was more so the problem I had was just how many fouls were yeah, being okay. called. Like it was ridiculous. It, it was just every possession – uh, somebody was getting fouled. Somebody was going to the free throw line. It's it just, and, and they were going to look at the monitor. You know, you got Cal running his mouth over there, and and uh, it's it just frustrating. Of course, it has to happen against Kentucky. Uh, you know, where we talk so much about the refs. You know, especially with the game. Uh, and, and well, Kyle Alexander got like what two fouls in the span of ten seconds. Yeah, hours and, and Rick Rick took ownership of that. He said he didn't he didn't realize that Kyle picked up his fourth. And then immediately picked up oh, his okay. fifth. I didn't know that. I yeah, know that. yeah. Rick addressed after the game, so that was a strange sequence. So yeah, Tennessee does all that with uh, Kyle Alexander uh, on the bench, who fouled out with, with 15 like minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, 15 minutes or something like that left to play. So um, Tennessee ends up down eight through all of that, and then Admiral Schofield hits a three, and then Grant Williams goes and one, and then Grant Williams hits a three. And then, you know, they they kick over to Grant Williams, who gets double teamed. Uh, you kick back out to Schofield, who drives and finds Lamonte Turner, yes, who sir. has been in one of – probably the, the longest shooting slump of his life. Uh, just couldn't hit anything. I think it was two of eight before that point. Just absolutely drains a three. I mean, just so reminiscent of what he did at Rupp Arena two years ago yep. – or, or last year, excuse me. Yep. Uh, almost the same shot, same position on the floor, puts Tennessee up. Um, you know, they get a turnover at the other end. Jordan Bone ices the game. Just an incredible comeback at the last moment. I, I can, <laughs> I can see why Kentucky fans were upset, but I mean, Tennessee just made shots down the stretch. That was the big difference. Yeah, man. I mean, they like you said earlier, they were seven and nine from three in the first half. I think they went zero of nine. 
uh, in the second half, and then they drained those last three at the end there to win the game. Just, just crazy stuff, man. You can't make it up. So Tennessee wins that game, gets them another huge win for the resume and another quad one victory. Uh, all they got to do is beat Auburn now, and you get a, a number one seed. And, you know, Auburn seems to have Tennessee's number. Uh, that, that's the team that's given them the most problems over the last two years. Uh, you know, I think it was the first game, first SEC game um, last season. Uh, Auburn came to Knoxville and, and won pretty convincingly. And we saw what Auburn did to them last week. They did the exact same thing. You know, Tennessee came out and, and had a two to four point lead. And then Auburn flipped a switch, uh, turned Tennessee over seven straight times. And you just knew from that point the game was kind of over. Tennessee had dug themselves in a hole and no- nothing was falling. Uh, they couldn't even get the ball inside of the paint. So, uh, disappointing performance. But, you know, we probably should have put more stock into the fact that it was such an emotional win over Kentucky. I don't want to make excuses for them, but uh, I-, I think that definitely played in here. Yeah, man. I mean, they tipped off, you know, 16 hours or I don't know. I'm terrible at math, but tipped off less than 24 hours after that win against Kentucky. It was huge um, emotionally. <clears throat> excuse me. Drained them, I'm sure. And it, what sucked worse the most about the Auburn game is you couldn't have asked for a better start from the Vols. You know, they got out that 10-5 lead. Lamonte drains that three to, you know, start the game. You're like, oh, God, if he's on, you know, then they're going to be making they're going to be making plays. And I think Kyle hits a bucket soon after that. I think Lamonte and Kyle had five of the first seven points or seven of the first nine points or something like that. And it's just it, everything is looking so good. And then, like you said, Auburn just – and they flip that switch, and they get those busy hands. I haven't seen hands that busy since since Stevie Wonder, man, on a keyboard. <laughs> I mean, my God, dude, they just they know how to they know how to find the ball, and they know how to get it out of there. And obviously, I mean, what it was like seven possessions in a row, and eight out of ten at one point where UT turned it over. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, if you if you told me Lamonte Turner's stat line, uh, real quick, seven of twelve, you know, four six and three. Uh, six of six on from the free throw line, twenty four points. That game. Yeah, yeah. That game. Tennessee probably won by fifteen. You know. Yeah, exactly. But then you look, and Grant Williams has thirteen. Kyle Alexander has two. Admiral Schofield has four. Jordan Bone has eleven. It, they didn't get any production anywhere else. You know, Jordan Bowden even had ten, but they didn't get production from Grant. Um, Admiral man, Grant looked tired. He, he just yeah. looked tired. Yeah. I, and Hopefully, I know yeah. Auburn played four games in a row. Tennessee played three. I get it. But Grant looked tired. I mean, he just wasn't himself. He wasn't demanding the ball. He wasn't working in the post to to get open looks. Uh, so it, it was disappointing overall just to see, you know, you haven't won tournament since 1979. Uh, so right. just, so just, just to come out with that performance, man, it, it, was, it was just really deflating and certainly not how you want to enter the NCAA tournament. Anticlimactic for sure, man. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound. You know, fortunately, they don't have to play back-to-back games and or in consecutive days anymore. Um, so I, I'm not too worried. But yes, I mean, that's you. You did not see that team one time this year. There's not one game where they played like that. You know, they were just flat out beat by the other teams in the other games they lost. They never actually lost the games themselves, and they totally just destroyed themselves mostly uh, on Sunday. Yeah, and, and you can look at the three. You know, everybody says oh, Auburn just bombed threes all day. Only shot thirty-seven percent from three. You know, right. That, that's right on average. 
15 of 40. Uh, yeah, they they got hot in spurts, and they had an answer. And every time Tennessee got any ounce of life, they would just drill a just three. Drive back, just, yeah, just right back. Right yeah. in their face. So that when was frustrating. What, were, what was the final from the block shots? Do you have that by any chance? Uh, Auburn had six, Tennessee had five. Okay, but I say they. I mean, dude. I mean, their interior defense. I mean, when Jared Harper went to the bench, um, you know, UT couldn't get. We could not get any type of separation. We could not build a lead. I think with the most we led at any time was four points, just because we couldn't get done, anything done in the paint. And honestly, I think it had a lot to do with fatigue. I really do because you're not going to dominate this team in the paint like uh, Auburn did. That's just, that's just not going to happen. And I think I think it's more the exception than it is the rule for sure. Well, I think you're onto something there because Tennessee lost the rebounding battle, uh, 30, yeah. 39 to 33 uh, against a small team like Auburn. That's one spot where you have an advantage. And right. Tennessee flat got out rebounded. They got out hustled. Uh, yeah. So, so I think your your fatigue statement there has some merit for sure. Uh, again, we, we're we're not making excuses for him. It was, it was a bad loss. But, no, no, it was a very bad loss. But you play a game like that against Kentucky. Uh, it's possible they they might have looked past Auburn as weird as that sounds. So right, um, yeah, Auburn just so active defensively. You mentioned the blocks. It, it wasn't necessarily the blocks for me. It was just their active hands. You know, every passing lane was clogged. Uh, there was no clean catches in the paint. You know, nope. we talked about Grant Williams not getting involved. They were denying him the ball. You know, every time he'd get the ball, if he took his time, they were poking it out. So, hats off to them. Uh, you know, good for Bruce. You know, we're, we're still Bruce fans. Uh, we'll always love Bruce <laughs> for what he did here. Um, very strange to see him win his first SEC title against Tennessee. You know, I tweeted that that might be the most Tennessee thing of all time. <laughs> watching yeah, it's that, up there. watching yeah. that happen. But uh, man, uh, kicking the teeth. Uh, but you're playing a, a similar team uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we're going to dive into that coming up next. All right, so Tennessee gets the number two seed, like we said. Uh, they get the 15th seeded uh, Colgate Raiders. Uh, very, very interesting team. Uh, you know, you started to, to look around. And you quickly noticed how prolific of a three-point shooting team they were. Uh, Wes Rucker tweeted, "The best three-point shooting team in college basketball since February 1st is Colgate." You know, of course. Uh, so, you know, we, we've talked about Tennessee struggling with spacing defensively. Uh, Auburn just spaced the floor. Uh, they drove and then they kick out and they get the open look for three. That's the blueprint, and you better believe Colgate is going to try and execute execute that blueprint. Uh, whether or not they have the the level of athlete to do that is, is a different story, but that's definitely what they're going to try and do on Friday. Rappelus Ivanowskis. Yeah, man. good luck with that's saying that. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, dude, they can all bomb it. I mean, what they've got three players, I think, that are yep. over forty percent on the season, and uh, their point guard scored thirty-five points in the Patriot League uh, championship game. I mean, it's definitely got the recipe for um, a not such a fun time for Vol fans, but 
I don't think, man, I just don't think the athleticism is there. And I know it's kind of ironic considering UT has no players on their team that were in the top 100 coming out of high school. But I just – I don't see it happening, man. It just does not – it feels kind of like Wright State last year, you know, like a team that can make some plays, but at the end of the day, they just, they're just not going to have what it takes. Yeah, those shooters in March, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's, it's the team that, that you pick for the upset – uh, but it's a, also a team that you don't trust because if you go cold, you know, your season's over. Right. Uh, so you've got three players averaging double figures. Like you said, Jordan Burn, Burns, the the point guard, uh, man, his game log is interesting to look at because he's he's got 35, then he'll have five, then he'll have 25, then he'll have seven. Uh, he's been a roller coaster ride this year, but he can he can flat score. Uh, and, and then outside of those two, you've got Will Raymond, the 6'8 forward, who can also shoot threes. So I think you're going to see them space the floor and, and try and do what Auburn did to them. Now, the other side to that story, of course, they rank in the 200s in def- defensive efficiency. So how are they going to handle Admiral Schofield? How are they going to handle Grant? You know, Jordan Bone, he should have plenty of opportunities there. I think this is a big Jordan Bowden game. I think he'll find some mismatches that he can take advantage of. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think they can stop Tennessee, but I think Tennessee might have have some issues stopping them. So I think it's going to be a high scoring, up and down uh, type game that Tennessee wins, something like you know ninety to seventy five or something like that. Yeah, as long as it's double digit win, I really don't feel like pulling my hair out on a Friday. So, <laughs> but I mean, hey, that's all part of the beauty of March Madness. So bring it on, regardless. It'll be fun. It'll be fun no matter what. Yeah. So if you look big picture here, let's assume Tennessee wins over over Colgate. Uh, again, not taking them lightly though. Uh, Tennessee's playing in Columbus, Ohio. The number one seed in their uh, region is Virginia, and, and I think that's the best possible outcome there uh that that's the that's the number one seed that i would want to see myself right um, i think tennessee can can outpace them and, and you know if they're they're hitting from deep I, I think they can get by virginia but they've got a lot of work to do before that so the interesting thing here is facing cincinnati in ohio um committee did not do tennessee any favors there uh facing Cincinnati in front of what could be a, a home crowd. And it's not just Cincinnati. It's a hot Cincinnati team that just ran through the AAC uh, and, and beat a really, really good Houston team uh, by, I believe, 14 points. So that's a scary second-round matchup, 28-6 and six overall for the Bearcats. Of course, they have to get by Iowa, who's the 10 seed there. Uh, but a scary second-round matchup looming there. Yeah, certainly a lot scarier than a Loyola Chicago, at least on paper, from last year. Yeah, but we all know how that ended. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I honestly, I have not had a chance to watch much of Cincinnati lately, but from what, the way you just described them, that doesn't sound very promising considering that Auburn has now won eight games in a row and they're a hot team coming into the tournament. So, um but, you know, if anybody can get them to pull themselves together and get a good game plan going, then it's the balls. And like I said, I don't know much about Cincinnati, don't know much about Iowa, but I still feel comfortable, you know, regardless of who they're playing in the second round. Um, I don't know. They just – I think they're determined. And I just – like I said, I think Sunday was was just a lot more fatigued than anything. Yeah, it, it's interesting because you see so much negativity around this team right now. But they, they, deserve, the benefit, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. 
You know, there are a bunch of juniors and seniors that have done it the right way, that have built this program from the ground up with Rick. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know, I don't think you should doubt him. Uh, I, I just think Auburn's a really bad matchup. You know, they had some tough games down the stretch, but it's not like they were losing to, to unranked teams here. I mean, these were right. were, were top-level top, top level teams, and, and the SEC is very competitive. So I'm like you. I, I'm, I'm putting trust in them. Um, you know, you look a little deeper in this bracket. You've got Purdue, third seeded Purdue, uh, who Tennessee actually beat last year, uh, I, I believe, in the Bahamas uh, in, in yep. that tournament. Uh, you've also got the defending national champion Villanova. Uh, yeah, that's one that scares me the most. Yeah, honestly. and they're not quite the same team. You know, they don't. They, they've not. lost some guards. They don't shoot the three quite as well as they they did. Uh, still, still a Jay Wright coach team. Yeah, exactly. That was my next point. Jay Wright. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's scary. Uh, so you look up. You've got Virginia. You've got Ole Miss, Oklahoma. You've got Wisconsin in Oregon, Kansas State, and UC Irvine. So I, I think it's a decent draw for Tennessee um, outside of that Cincinnati matchup. You know, you look around at all these national analysts, and a, a lot of them have Tennessee advancing to the Final Four which would just be an awesome story to cover. But um, honestly, I, I, think, I think they did well, uh, and I think this draw may even be better than getting that last number one seed in the West. Yeah, I mean, I Kansas State, they intrigue me a lot for some reason. I don't know. They feel like one of those teams that could get really hot easily, and plus they're a four seed, so obviously they have a pretty decent body of work, as is. Um, and Villanova. Villa, Villa Voba, Villanova, Villanova, <laughs> uh, they're they're the those two really man. But you know, um, Tennessee wouldn't see Villanova till the Sweet Sixteen, and they wouldn't see Kansas State till the Elite Eight. So by that point, I think Tennessee would have found their groove in the season if they've if they'd gotten that far. And at that point, yeah, I could definitely see them in the Final Four and let the party begin if that's the case. Yeah, so Kentucky ends up in uh, North Carolina's region as a two. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got Duke um, and Auburn's in that one too with uh, North Carolina and Kentucky. Have fun with that. Yeah, Kansas in there too. Houston's in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Houston's that, scary, man. Houston's really scary. Yeah, I thought they were scary until Cincinnati beat the brakes off of them. Uh, right. So that could have been one of those UT things, though. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Duke on the other side is number one overall seed. Uh, Michigan State gets the two there. I, man, it's hard to pick against Duke right now. Uh, with with right. Zion back, watching them run through that, the ACC tournament, I don't know how you don't put them in the national championship. Dick Vitale actually had Duke in the national championship over Tennessee, uh, which was interesting. Of course he would. Uh, Gonzaga gets the other one in the West. And Rick Barnes made an interesting comment today saying that, you know, Gonzaga lost right where Tennessee did in their tournament. Uh, Tennessee has a head-to-head win over Gonzaga, but Gonzaga still gets the number one. So, you know, I don't think yep. it matters too much, but but that part of it is interesting. No, it's really interesting, man. And, yeah, I mean, committee's in a committee, so they're going to do what they do. I'm really interested in Florida State, though, too. I mean, they, up until that ACC championship game, they just seem like a team that can turn it on, and I'm going to be keeping a close eye on them, that's for sure. Yeah, we saw Florida State get hot last year. Uh, I right. Think, I think they right. ended up in the Elite Eight. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's definitely a team that I'm interested in, too. So, um, 
that's all we got for tonight. Uh, we will be back at some point to break down what's hopefully a, a Tennessee win uh, and, and a Tennessee advancing to this weekend and hopefully next week. So uh, look for that. As always, stay tuned to the site, rockytoptalk.com. If you want to join our bracket pool, I'm going to be putting that up tonight. Uh, look for it in the morning. We're recording this on Monday night, so look for it on Tuesday morning. You can play us. No prizes, just for fun, just for bragging rights. All of our contributors will be in there, so look for that. Uh, all right, that's all we've got for tonight. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.